Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. San Antonio District Judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish. Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Gangsters, what's up, guys? John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, my God! Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, so much. Yes. Hope you had a good weekend. It is Monday. It is March 26, 2018. Episode 149 of the Anik and Florian podcast starring Kenny Florian. How's your Monday, kid? You're looking <laughs> good. How's it going? I'm doing all right, man. I'm exhausted. I had like, uh, I don't know, maybe four hours of sleep, something like that. You know how that goes, dude. Oh, um, man. So, yeah, it was one of those nights. She just wouldn't sleep. She slept a lot during the day. It was my bad. So I kind of like, you know, when she's quiet, it's like, okay. And I just couldn't get her to wake up. And then I was like, I'm just going to let her be. So she kind of slept on my chest. And then she slept in the bassinet for a little bit. And then she did not sleep at night, dude. So my wife was, I slept less than I did. Well, I mean, there are two schools of thought on that, right? I mean, you can say, don't wake a sleeping baby. And the other school of thought is, Dad's always getting the blame. You know what I mean? No. I mean, of course, I was I on watch when my kid wrote her name on the side of our minivan, which is still there, by the way, so she can get old <laughs> enough and see what the hell she did. But it's tricky, man, right? Like you got a sleeping baby who looks comfortable. She's less than two months old. It's like right. let the kid sleep. So I'm on your side largely. Hopefully Clark didn't come down too hard on you. No, no. I'll get it later, though. I'll get it. So that sleep deprivation is something else. And I know you're a, a much, much more the intellectual in this two man equation here. And you're true. you're the more. No, you are. You're the more well-read guy. You're the much closer to a renaissance man. I'm pretty simple, basic guy. Uh, but when it comes to sleep deprivation, right, it is a form of torture. And yeah. I I basically pull an all nighter after every UFC live event that we do. And it's probably against my better judgment. It's not great for my health, but 
I have to unwind. I am so wired during these shows. I'm right. I'm ramped up on green tea and coffee and, and monster energy drink and everything else. It's hard to unwind. So I, I know that sleep deprivation world. And dude, I mean, there's just nothing easy about 3 a.m. all of a sudden crying baby. You get in the routine and it becomes more of a habit, but nothing easy, man, about those first few weeks. So I feel for you. Yeah. Thank you, man. So uh, may Rocky BJJ too, and then you got the school going strong. Uh, looks yes. like it's getting 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 crowded over there, kid. It, That's a good thing. It is, man. It's been awesome, and, and you know, more importantly, we just have such a good group of guys. Like everyone's super cool, really good community, and um, you know, now now the kids program is growing as well. A yeah. bunch of women that have been joining up, which has been awesome. So um, just seeing it grow and keeping it busy and. Uh, it's been real fun, man. You know, anytime you open up a business, it's pretty stressful. Uh, so, you know, my vision has always been to open up something here in Los Angeles, which is probably the Mecca of Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Um, when, when it comes to, uh, you know, where, where all the schools are in in, in the, in the world, pretty much uh, everything is here in in Los Angeles. So, um, or in Southern California. So to open one up and, and to see it succeed and see it do well, um, it, it feels real good, man. So, uh, and that, that yeah. is your way. I mean, that is your way. I think about the, uh, the Vitor Ribeiro match, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like you always, you want the biggest challenges and I respect that a lot about hey. you. So I, I had a little bit of an embarrassing <laughs> moment this weekend. We're going to talk to Frankie Edgar here coming up in a few minutes. So had some company at the house and, and mm-hmm. close friends, our buddy, Jimmy Stewart, and his wife, uh, Allie. Oh, nice. And yeah. I, I fell in the pool with my clothes on. This is the third time since I moved here essentially sober that I've fallen in my pool with all my clothes on wallet oh. in, in the pants, no. cell phone, not in the shorts. Oh, right? what happened? What's going on? I- What's going on that you're falling in this pool so many times? I don't know if subconsciously I'm bringing it up for this audience so that if something bad happens to me, people say, dude, this guy's falling in his pool like several <laughs> times. And Jesus, so man. the first time I did it, I, I really hurt my knee, almost needed stitches, uh, bleeding profusely. My, I'm like asking my daughter to get me a towel. She's like, what is wrong with my schmuck dad? <laughs> but this time, I don't know, man. Like I was just walking along the edge of the pool and, you know, wallet in the pocket. So the Anakin Florian LLC bank card destroyed. I apologize <laughs> for that, Ken Flo. But it, it was not it was not a good weekend for me. Ew. Pretty good weekend in the sports book, but not a good weekend can, in terms of falling in my own pool. Can we get your daughters to watch you when you're running around the I, yeah. pool or something? You know, cause we need to keep I, you safe, man. Yeah. Well, my ridiculous. twin brother was like, you got to put the baby gate back around the pool. And I actually, it, it is Florida law. And I think California right. law too, Kenny. I don't yes. know if you have a pool at the condo, but I did, yeah. to have a baby gate around the pool, as long as there's a child living in the house that is under six years old. Mm. So we take ours down for these hurricanes, right? So right. in November, whatever it was, we took our baby gate down for the hurricane. So had that been up, my lazy ass hasn't put it back up yet. Had that been up, I wouldn't have fallen in the pool. So uh, I apologize to Jimmy and Allen uh, for that. I mean, they, and, you know, they leave my house, they get in the car, and, of course, they're like, dude, what the fuck is wrong with you? And I know Jimmy listens to this podcast, and I know that's exactly where they started their conversation. You gave him a good laugh, though. You gave him a good laugh. I hope so. Sure. I hope yeah. so. And, of course, my daughter saw it and, again, just thinking, <laughs> man, nice guy, but, like, how would I get this guy as my dad? Uh, all right, so no UFC show this past weekend and no live event this coming weekend, which is kind of nice, gives us time to talk extensively about UFC 223, as we have tried to do over the last several weeks. Also, fight announcements, a lot of headlines this week, and a lot of different fight announcements, rumors, reports that we're going to get into. We'll talk to American Top Team's Mike Brown later today. Massive two-week stretch coming up for him. He's got Ioana Young-Jacek at UFC 223. That's April 7th. 
And then April 14th, Fox UFC Fight Night main event, Dustin Poirier against Justin Gaethje. So wanted to pick Mike Mike Brown's brain on a few things. But let's start with UFC 223 before we bring on Frankie Edgar here, Ken Flo. And mm. Tony Ferguson, Khabib Nurmagomedov, now about 12 days away. It's very exciting, obviously, for the avid fans of this sport. We have talked about this as the best fight that most of us think we can put on paper. A lot of common opponents between these two guys. Oh, you know, we have Frankie Edgar, so I'm going to table that for a second because okay. now joining us, former UFC lightweight champion, future UFC Hall of Famer. He is the pride of Tom's River, New Jersey. The legend Frankie Edgar is on the line. Effie, good Monday to you, man. How are you? I'm good, John. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. Thank you for asking. I, you don't strike me as the type of guy who would complain about weather, but a lot of our fellow Bostonians and New Yorkers are just getting sick of one nor'easter <laughs> after the next. I mean, how does that impact your travel, your training, and how much snow is on the ground right now there in Jersey? Yeah, it's all pretty much melted at this point, but uh, last week was definitely a pain in the ass. But uh, you just got to adjust your schedule and make sure you get your training in. And uh, that's what I do. Use that little shoveling as a little extra cardio. There you go. That's a good way to look at it, right? No snowblowers for, for Frankie Edgar. So <laughs> yeah. a lot to get into, and we'll probably circle back at times to the Brian Ortega fight, but that was about three weeks ago. And a lot of us, I guess, not stunned because we know you, but somewhat taken aback when we saw this fight announcement, the quick turnaround against Cub Swanson, April 21st, Atlantic City, New Jersey. How did this whole scenario come together uh, from your side of things? Yeah, you know, uh, I was thinking about fighting on this card uh, even before the Ortega fight. Um, oh, okay. yeah, I haven't fought in Jer- Jersey in, in 08, since 08, and I just wanted to, I don't know if I wanted to get this opportunity again, so I want to jump at, at fighting home in Jersey again. And I understand the Jersey thing certainly would have a lot of appeal to you. I didn't realize it had been since 2008. I have said on this show that I think you're like the most beloved American fighter since Chuck Liddell. Like my buddies, absolutely, like they like you more than I. See, I have a hard time with the whole New York, New Jersey, Boston thing, as you know, right? Like I know at one point you were going to walk out in the TD Guard with a New York Yankees hat. So my love for you can only go so far. But after after a fight like Brian Ortega, and I bring it up in this context, I know you felt that love, right? And I think you got to feel pretty good about the type of response that, that came your way after what was a surprising result to a lot of people. Absolutely. You know, um, I kind of tried to steer clear from social media a little bit. You know, I'm not really a big social media guy to begin with. And you know, after a loss, it can kind of, kind of sting a little bit, but, uh, you know, I, I seen, you know, the, the love I got from, from, you know, peers and just fans and everything is, it's definitely, uh, appreciated, but, uh, you know, it, it doesn't make it sting any less, any less, you know what I mean? Well, let's talk about that, Frankie. I mean, how are you, how are you dealing with, with that loss? And, and uh, you know, how, how do you put that away and, and just focus here on, on Cup? Uh, you know, I mean, listen, you, you do this sport long enough, you know, you're going to be on the wrong end of something. And, um, you know, I felt like I, my performance wasn't bad. It's not like I went out there and got steamrolled and finished. You know, I felt like I was doing pretty well in that fight. Yeah. He called me a good shot, a shot that I didn't see. And I, I think that's what, uh, you know, people say, oh, what's the hardest shot you got hit with this and that? And it's, not about, it's not always about the hardest shot you get hit with. I think it's about the shot you don't see coming that, that can, you know, rock you the most. And, and I think that's what was the case in this last fight. I hit with that elbow and then, you know, the uppercut and everything. Um, yeah, I didn't go all the way out. I, I was pretty with it and uh, just the way it goes. And, um, you know, I, I'm just focusing on, on Cup now. You can't really look back at that last fight. Uh, 
you know, you, you start dwelling on that one, you can't really focus on the next one. And, you know, that's what I wanted to do. That's why I, I don't mind this quick turnaround. I could kind of get my mind off that last one and start working towards something new. And, and Frankie, you, you obviously been doing this a long time, as you said. And, um, you know, was there he- any hesitation, though, uh, taking this fight against C- Cub after losing your first fight by knockout? Uh, yeah, no. You know, um, like I said, if, if I felt I, uh, I, was, I was hurt, really badly or, or, you know, I had headaches after the fight or something like that, then I may have made a different choice. But, you know, I, I was coherent, you know, during, during the fight. Uh, I remember getting rocked. And I remember there being short time in the round, thinking to myself, I got to get to this round. And even when the refs came and, and stopped it, I, I right away I said to them, like, I'm good, I'm good, you know. And, you know, maybe I wasn't good, but at least I was coherent enough to, you know, I wasn't turned off. You know, I didn't get put, put out, put to sleep. Um, yeah. You know, I went and saw a neurologist and everything. I'm good to go. So, now it's just uh, back to kind of like square one and just worry about this this new opponent in Cub. So lo- looking forward to Cub. Obviously, the, the first time around, you did <laughs> quite well against Cub. Uh, do you see this as a completely different fight now? Yeah, I'm going to approach it as a different fight. You know, he's a different fighter. I'm a different fighter. I think it was like three or four years ago at this point now. Um, you know, we're, we're definitely a little bit, uh, uh, you know, moving along from that from that night. And you know, I'm a different guy. He's a different guy. But uh yeah, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure some things will still, you know, present itself like it did in the first fight, and then that's what I got to look for. Frankie Edgar with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. So, I mean, how soon after that Ortega result are you in your mind spinning it forward to Atlantic City? Is this the type of thing where you're telling Ali, like, late Saturday night with a beer in hand, like, dude, I want April 21st? Yeah, I mean, um, we, we definitely talked about it that night in the hotel room. Yeah, right. And, right. Uh, okay. you know, I didn't know if April 21st was going to be, be a realistic uh, possibility um, or I wanted at least June or something. You know, I wanted something quickly. And it turned out that uh, that, that the 21st, you know, was able, was able to work out. And, you know, what better place right in Jersey? You know, it's literally, you know, an hour from my house. And, uh, you know, it's been a while since I've been home. So I definitely jumped at that opportunity. It's crazy that it's been since 2008. I remember in 2012, we had you there at Revel Atlantic City, but you were a guest fighter and you were not competing. So I know you're not the biggest film watcher in the world. You've got a power corner there. Have you gone back and, and watched this Ortega fight? I watched uh, the highlights, I guess you could say, or, okay. or the lowlights. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, I watched the finish. Um, I watched some of, some of the stuff. Uh, you know, I do put highlights together. I guess I watched that, but I uh, definitely watched right. the finish. Well, the body seems to be responding well. I know you had 10 long months off after that Yair Rodriguez win, which was May of 2017, but you did sort of have a training camp and a half, if not two training camps prepping for Max Holloway. So I got to think part of your thought process, too, is not necessarily making up for lost time, but to at least try to maximize all the time that, that you had put in in the gym training for those two title fights. Exactly. Uh, you know, my body feels really good um, you know, as far as injuries and soreness goes, so why not? You know, I feel like a lot of times I'll take time in between fights. I'll feel good, and I'll, I'll get a fight booked. And during that whole camp, I'm, I'm hurting. So I said, right. well, why not, why not fight while I feel good? And I know you don't care much who you fight. You're, you're a take-on-all-comers type of fighter. Was Cub Swanson the only name that was discussed? Uh, from what I understand, yeah. You know, um, they, they, I got the call, uh, I believe, two weeks ago saying, you know, I guess they need to call me an event, and Cub, Cub was uh, – Cup was on the table, and I said, all right, let's do it, and that's how, that's how it happened. All right, well, I'm sure at this point you are, are quite sick of people asking you about a drop-down to Bantamweight, but I, I can't imagine 
the cut would be fun for you necessarily. So I don't want to minimize that part of it. But if the goal for Frankie Edgar is another UFC championship, a lot of us see a clear path for you at 135 pounds. First fight might be a title fight. It'll certainly be an eliminator, right? But one and done and into a championship scenario, into a fight against a lot of guys like TJ Dillashaw, Cody Garbrandt, Dominic Cruz, that fans would like to see you fight. So what would you say to that audience who talks about that and is that door closed in your mind? Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I'll close that door. Um, I just want to get some wins. I want to get a win under my belt. I don't want to, you know, totally uh, just run away from 45. I still feel like I have some unfinished business here. Um, yeah. You know, I don't, I don't want to say I can't. I still think I competed this week. I feel like I don't have to cut down to fight the best, to beat the best guys in the world. Um, but I, I won't say I'll close that door. Just right now, I'm, I'm focused on 45 still. All right, 23 UFC fights to this point for Frankie Edgar. More octagon time than anyone in UFC history. If you were forced to walk away from the sport at this point in time or, you know, maybe two, three more fights, would you be content with with what you've accomplished? I mean, many consider you the best lightweight of all time. I mean, are you satisfied with what you've put on paper to this point? I don't know. You know, I think that's, uh, I don't know if I, I'm the type of person, I don't know if I'll ever be satisfied. You know, I, I, I walked away from fights where I, you know, one finished guys and I still wasn't pleased with, my, with myself in, in yeah. some ways. But, uh, you know, I, I think at the very end, you know, maybe when I walk away right away and if I don't get to accomplish what I want to accomplish, I might be a little disappointed. But I think as time goes on, I'll look back and, and you know, be proud of my career. All right, so other things going on. You got the UFC gym. You got three kids. Your house looks like literally the most fun place to be in the entire state of New Jersey. I'm waiting for the invite. You got the commentating work going with Brave Combat Federation. How is the the commentary? I mean, you're going to Brazil every time you're calling fights. Is that the case or no? Uh, Brazil or Bahrain, I've been so far. So okay. uh, right. yeah, it, it's fun. I enjoy it. You know, I try try my best. Uh, you know, I, I need more reps. I, I believe. You know, I, I don't get to do it as often as, as I'd like just because I'm. You know, constantly, uh, you know, competing myself, but uh, it's definitely something I see myself doing in the future, and uh, you know, I definitely enjoy it. Maybe you got to start that Iron Army podcast. Just get that week. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think we got to get that going for sure. <laughs> All right, Frankie Edgar, he makes the quick turn to face Cub Swanson. That is your co-main event, FS1 UFC Fight Night, April 21, Atlantic City, New Jersey. Frankie, appreciate the time as always, buddy. Have a good few weeks, and uh, we hope to talk to you soon, man. Thank you. Guys, yeah, see you in a couple weeks, man. Thanks so much for having me. All right, there he is, Frankie Edgar, with us on the Anakin Florian podcast. And I don't love, as a journalist or otherwise, asking a question that I sort of know the answer to, but maybe our audience, it was good for them to hear it from Frankie, Kenny, not just in terms of why he's proceeding in this way, but the conversation of 135 pounds. And he just doesn't want to go down to 35 and have it be perceived as any sort of cop-out. He still believes he can be the UFC featherweight champion. And I think until he buries that goal with finality, the last thing he's thinking of is moving to a third division. here. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's a pride thing for Frankie. Um, you know, I think Frankie's a guy who who truly believes he can be the champion at 145 pounds. Um, I, I think he could still accomplish that. Um, he still has the skills uh, to be able to do that. Uh, no, no easy task against someone like Max Holloway, but um, you know, having Max Holloway uh, in, in studio last week, um, he said he'd be down to, to fight Frankie. He believes he will fight Frankie in the near future. So, you know, a lot of times people just erase everything you've ever done with just one loss. Frankie made one mistake. Um, he was winning that fight uh, against Ortega. Um, he got caught with a big elbow. 
um, it, it, it's going to happen. Like Frankie said, you fight enough in this sport, you put enough minutes in the octagon, um, you're going to slip on a banana peel here and there. And, right. and not, right. not saying that's what happened with Ortega. Ortega created that opportunity. But when you're fighting tough guy after tough guy, um, a loss is going to happen in this sport, no matter how good you are. So right. uh, people love to erase everything you've done after a loss. Yes, Frankie just lost. He's still one of the best fighters to ever do it in the octagon, period. And it's easy to sit here as a non-fighter, at least for me, Kenny, and say, man, he was knocked out violently, viciously by Brian Ortega a few short weeks ago. But I think when you hear it from the horse's mouth and he says, look, I mean, I went and saw a neurologist, right? right. I didn't have anything resembling a headache. I was conscious the whole time. Uh, it makes it gives me less pause. Not that anyone's looking for my stamp of approval, but it gives me less pause when it comes to him making this quick turn here in, in, in less than a month. Couldn't agree more. And sometimes, you know, you get these knockouts, uh, which are never good, right? Uh, but th there's knockouts and then there's really bad knockouts. Or sometimes you just have a crazy fight and that could be more damage than an actual knockout. So, right. you know, right. the, the fact of the matter is Frankie has gone and seen a doctor. He seems fine. His, his coaches and his team um, have agreed to take this fight. And uh, it seems like he's healthy enough to do it. So uh, I wish him the best. And I will say in closing on the Frankie Edgar topic that a lot of my friends, I don't just bring that up to, you know, kiss his ass. A lot of my friends love this guy and they yeah. don't love this fight. It's not that they don't like the quick turn, Kenny, but they they have championship aspirations for their guy at 135 pounds or they don't see the upside of a Swanson rematch given the way the first fight went back in 2014. Yeah. But if you know Frankie just doesn't doesn't give a shit about who the opponent really is and Swanson was the only guy that they discussed so uh, it shall be done. That's the co-main coming up April 21. Of course before we get there it is April 7th. It is a monster. I got the fight card in front of me. The voiceover started today. UFC 223 Ferguson versus Khabib. And I was bringing up the common opponents earlier. UFC.com did an interesting piece on the common opponents that Tony Ferguson and Khabib Nurmagomedov have faced. And I hope I have them all written down here. Edson Barboza, Abel Trujillo, Rafael Dos Anjos, Gleason Tebow, and Michael Johnson, who was the subject for this piece at UFC.com. And he just sees one path to victory for Tony Ferguson, and it doesn't at all involve the canvas. He believes that if Ferguson is going to win this fight, not that there wouldn't be submission opportunities on the ground, Kenny, right. given Khabib's pension for taking the fight there, but MJ just believes that Ferguson's entire game plan is rooted in separation and keeping the bear at arm's length. I agree with that. Um, Khabib isn't the kind of guy that puts himself in these bad situations. Um, he always has superior position. Uh, his head and arms are, uh, and legs, for that matter, uh, are always safe uh, anytime he's on the mat. Um, and he keeps you busy defending his punches and elbows. I mean, he's nonstop, so he really doesn't give you a chance to start to set up many submissions. Um, yeah, for Tony, if he can create some crazy scramble, sure. Can he submit him? Absolutely. Um, mistakes happen. Things happen. Um, but I think, yeah, his path to victory... Uh, needs to happen on the feet. I mean, that's where he's going to win this fight. If he can catch Habib with a knee, uh, with an elbow coming in, uh, something crazy. And, and the thing is, that's not going to be easy either. Habib, the way that he shoots, he typically doesn't open himself up to flying knees. He doesn't level change so much to the point where uh, he puts himself in harm's way. He's very good at getting to the body lock, which is a much safer way to take you down. Now, if you want to get takedowns from the body lock, you have to be very skillful, and Habib is just that. He gets his takedowns from that body lock position, whether he's doing um, a sacrifice throw or he's doing a trip or he's getting in on your legs up against the cage. He's pressuring you nonstop. 
Um, Tony Ferguson has the conditioning to be able to deal with stuff like that, but um, he's going to have to be phenomenal on the feet. And, you know, for me, I, I think Tony is dangerous on the feet. I think he hits pretty hard. His footwork, though, um, you know, it, it's going to be tough for him to really avoid that charging bull. For, for me, based on what I've seen, um, footwork-wise, he's going to have to be a lot sharper for this one. I, I wish you were, were prepared to answer this question, that if you could pick a lightweight other than Conor McGregor to try to beat Khabib Nurmagomedov, would Tony Ferguson be the – like if you had to train a lightweight mm-hmm. to beat Khabib, would Ferguson be your pick of the litter? Or would you like someone like Edson Barboza, whom we just saw, or mm-hmm. Kevin Lee? Michael Johnson says that this guy feels like a light heavyweight, right? It's yeah. this combination of technique and physicality. I think we, we talk a lot about the brute strength, Kenny, but a lot, a lot of technique goes into what Habib is trying to accomplish. And I mean, if you're Ferguson, are you spending like this entire training camp off of your back? Like, what, I mean, what, what's he doing? Right. Uh, well, I think for, for Tony, uh, I think he has to work on counter shots coming in. Habib is susceptible on the feet. We saw Michael Johnson catch him uh, in, in their fight. Um, Tony's going to have to be very sharp with his counter strikes. He's going to have to be very good with his wrestling. If he can get Habib uncomfortable, what does that mean? If he could stop those takedowns repeatedly and get Habib to really uh, just make it a striking match, again, Tony, even though he's not the most technical kickboxer in the world, he is going to be way more comfortable on the feet throwing down than Habib is, right? It's just conditioning-wise, we go to where we're comfortable. And no matter what, you know, when it comes to fight night, um, if you're doing something that you not you don't typically do in your fight, uh, you're going to get tired no matter how well or, you know, how yeah. well conditioned you are during the fight, how many rounds on the pads you can do on fight night. It's a whole different monster. And Habib really hasn't been out of his comfort zone too much. He was a little bit early on in his career against T-Bow. I don't know if he was able to take down T-Bow in that fight. I think that was one of the few fights he wasn't able to hit a legitimate takedown and keep a guy down for very right. long. Um, but again, Glayson isn't that guy either. Glayson is very much that guy. So, um, you know, this is an interesting fight. You know, to me, <clears throat> this reminds me of the middleweight division uh, uh, the boxing middleweight division back in like the 80s, you know, when you had Hagler, when you had Hearns, when you had Sugar Ray Leonard, you had all these great uh, middleweight boxers where anyone on any, any given day uh, could beat the other guy. Um, this yeah. is a high-level mixed martial arts at its best uh, when you're talking about the lightweight division. Um, this is a fascinating matchup. Um, we've been wanting this for a very long time. This is the fourth time they're yeah. trying to make this fight happen. And uh, and I think we'll finally see it. I think both these guys should stay healthy now for the next, uh, what, 13 yeah. days or 10 yeah. days or so. Yeah, and I wish, yeah. I wish I could get a betting line on this fight happening, right? Because as soon as I tweet the odds yesterday, get an avalanche of replies saying, oh, where's the betting number on this fight not happening? Mm-hmm. I will give anyone who's listening to this podcast, I will give you even money odds if you want to bet me as to whether or not this fight happens. You know, I'll give you two to one. You want fucking two to one? I will give you two to one odds that that fight happens on April 7th. I am convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt yeah. that they will both make weight on April 6th. It's happening. And in terms of that history, by the way, Kenny, I got it here for you. So December 2015 was the first time this fight was scheduled, if my prep wow. is accurate. Okay. Khabib Nurmagomedov forced to pull out that, that night. So Edson Barboza fought Tony Ferguson. I remember getting in the van right after the fight. 
And I said to Joe Silva, I was like, oh, title shot for Ferguson. He's like, no, dude, I'm making Ferguson and Habib. But Joe Silva's going to be so happy to see this thing finally happen. Well, then every, was, scenario, it, every scenario has happened pretty much. Right, Sorry, I'll right. let you finish. But yeah, no, yeah, you're, yeah. Right, you're right. <laughs> and, and to that end, April 2016, long issue for Tony Ferguson. So the fight yeah. went away. Maybe it was Daryl Horcher or somebody who stepped up there. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, of course, March 4th, 2017, UFC 209. Khabib Nurmagomedov hospitalized prior to even getting to the scale. So this is the fourth time it will be the charm. I will take your action if somehow you think this fight is yeah. not going to happen. And if we get 25 minutes, Kenny, Oof. this this is going to be insane. Now, Ferguson's been finished one time. That was back in 2009. Exceedingly hard guy to put away. And I think he might cut Khabib at some point and stun him on the feet. But I think he's going to have to separate him from consciousness or cause a really bad cut to, to get Khabib out of there. Uh, I, I just can't wait to see it, and it's hard for me to focus on on anything else right now, honestly. Any other fight, any other voiceover, I am just so tunnel-visioned when it comes to Ferguson and Nermago Medov, man. Well, look at the way that they fight. I mean, look at Habib's last few fights. This guy um, just goes over, just runs people over. He's a steamroller. Um, he's nonstop action. He's one of the few guys that when the fight hits the mat, um, you're looking forward to it. Um, may, maybe not because of his submissions, but because yeah. of how active he stays. He stays on you, and he, and he treats you like you stole something from him. I mean, this guy, yeah. uh, it's like he has a vendetta against you. He's trying to not beat you. He's trying to destroy you. He's trying to pummel you inside the canvas. You know, he's trying to bury yeah. you inside the octagon. And Tony Ferguson is a guy who loves to fight. I, I mean, what... Boring fight. Have you ever seen Tony Ferguson in? This guy right. is nonstop action himself. Whether he's going for a knockout or going for a submission, this guy is trying to finish you. These guys obviously do not like each other. They have a great history. Uh, this is going to be a classic, man. No doubt about it. Do you think it's fair to say that Khabib Nurmagomedov made market improvements that we saw in the Edson Barboza fight? Is that fair? I think so. I mean, who could do that to someone like Edson Barbosa? Barbosa's footwork is just tremendous. And the fact that Habib just would not uh, stop going at him uh, and the way that he closed down that octagon on him was just a, a thing of beauty. Um, he stayed on him with those takedowns. Barbosa just could not keep up that pace. And this thing, you know, what was really surprising was th the pace of Habib and the fact that after 15 minutes, it looked like he just went for a light jog. I mean, he didn't, right. he didn't look tired at all. Right. It, it was amazing. Right. So this guy, he's ready for a 25-minute fight, no doubt about it. I would be deceased, you know, after like eight <laughs> oh. minutes of that output. Literally. Yeah. I mean, I would, be, I would no longer be among the living. So in terms of Khabib's improvements, I, I think the masses were just blown away by that Barboza fight. It led me to call him the most dominant force in the game but for Tony Ferguson, we've only seen him once in 16 months, and he's nothing if not unpredictable. So isn't it a little bit hard to quantify what type of Tony Ferguson we're going to see? We saw him against Kevin Lee in October, but, I mean, he's got longest winning streak in UFC history, Kenny, but it's not like we've seen a whole lot of him in the octagon over the last year and a half. Right. And and for Tony, uh, again, it wasn't, you know, he, he makes mistakes during fights. Yep. He, he knows how to come back, though. He knows how to win them. He's a, a slow starter. Um, I don't know if he wants to start slow against someone like Habib. I just think that for Tony, because he doesn't fight as often, um, because he's not this muscled out guy, um, he, he goes on rhythm. You know, the same thing against Dos Anjos. Yeah. Dos Anjos started out beautifully against him. It looked like Dos Anjos was going to cruise to a win early in that first round. Of course, we know what happened. Tony just got stronger. Dos Anjos faded. Um, and once Tony found his rhythm, man, it, it was all Tony Ferguson all the time. So, 
Um, I'm curious to see how this fight goes down uh, and how Habib might adjust himself in this fight as opposed to that fight against Edson Barbosa. Uh, it, this yeah. is a 25-minute fight against a guy in Tony Ferguson who also does not get tired. Another guy yeah. who, I mean, he could be missing a limb. He's going to still want to fight. That, that's, right. who, that's who Tony Ferguson is. So, um, and, and it's hard to also gauge uh, the skills of Tony Ferguson. When you're not seeing him as often, he could be a completely different fighter. A lot changes in a year. A lot changes in a year and a half. A lot changes in six months. Right. You know what I mean? So um, he could be working on a lot of different things, uh, have some new tricks up his sleeve for Habib that we just don't know about at this point. Well, you're getting Ken Flo's prediction next week. My only prediction is that Kenny is going to predict the winner to be by decision. I don't think Kenny's <laughs> going to pick a finish, but we'll see. Yeah. You never know. It's hard. It's hard when you have a fight like this. Yes. Uh, so much intrigue, and and in terms of, of which lightweight, and I know we got to move on and we might circle back to 223, but in terms of which lightweight you would pick to try to beat Khabib Nurmagomedov, I think you would probably pick Conor McGregor, Kenny, if that was an option to you. I, I think so just because of his ability to catch him on the feet, but yeah. do I think anybody is going to submit Khabib at 155 pounds? Do I think um, I would have anyone as a favorite against Khabib Nurmagomedov right. at this point? Nah. Right. Nah, son. And, yeah. and I think Habib might even be a favorite against Conor. I think Tony Ferguson would be the betting underdog against Conor McGregor. But if you talk about the other lightweight contenders, Justin Gaethje, Dustin Poirier, if we're saying Conor McGregor is not an active fighter right now, Tony Ferguson, I think, would be the lightweight most people would pick if, we had to, if you had to take a current 55-pound contender. To, to beat Khabib, I would think Ferguson would be the guy. I mean, can you find a welterweight that could beat Khabib? I don't know. You know what I mean? It's like, it's ridiculous. This guy's scary. Yeah. I, I guarantee you, probably the guy at a, you know in two division that Tyron won. This is why I, I always give it to Tyron. I always say the lightweight division is the most difficult division. But I guarantee you, if we took everyone in the welterweight division, and then we had a Khabib Nurmagomedov on the sideline, kind of like rubbing his fist, getting ready to go, I don't yeah. know if Tyron would choose Habib. Yeah. I think he'd choose someone else. Well, I mean, listen, I don't think Tyron's scared of him, but I'm just saying yeah. Habib is one of those guys I don't think a lot of people want to fight, man. Yeah. I mean, how much would a wrestling match between Daniel Cormier and Khabib Nurmagomedov cost on pay-per-view? Because I would buy it. <laughs> I would you know? see that, yeah. Let's, let's see, DC. <laughs> you know, what you got, man? They'd say Habib feels like a light heavyweight. Should be right, right in your wheelhouse. Yeah. So, well, that sort of segues us to the welterweight division. A lot of fight announcements since we were last on the air. And at least one major one, Kenny, that has been confirmed by the UFC. We'll get your thoughts on this. Kamaru Usman, Santiago Ponzinibbio. The main event, UFC's first jaunt to Santiago, Chile, May 19th, FS1 UFC fight night. This is a huge fight, and I would think for Kamaru Usman, this is what you're looking for, right? Short of getting a championship opportunity to get a main event on the road, you win this one. I think it would be his 12th or 13th in a row. He would be hard to deny. So big one here at welterweight, and I think fittingly, Kenny, it's the main event in Chile coming up here in two months. This is a very big fight. Um, obviously, Ponsonibio, who comes from Argentina, fighting uh, in a neighboring country like Chile, I think, uh, makes a lot of sense. Um, and, and it's a great fight. Usman's been looking for a, a big-name opponent, a guy who's uh, ranked uh, very high. And obviously, Ponsonibu is that guy. This is a huge opportunity here for Usman, who is coming off, you know, a lot of people think is a lackluster win. And obviously, we knew that he was injured heading into that fight. Um, so 
listen, I think this is a tremendous opportunity for him, not only to win, but to make a statement with his win. To go out there, if he goes out yeah. there and dominates a guy like Ponsonibio, then, you know, you, you can't duck him anymore. The UFC's going to have to give him uh, a bigger fight. He's been asking for opportunities like this. He finally gets it. Uh, let's see what we can do with it. And for Ponzinibbio, it's unfair that he isn't talked about more in the championship conversation. But like when we get to Tyron Woodley, he has now said four names publicly that he thinks his next opponent will come from. And and Santiago Ponzinibbio wasn't one of them. And all these other guys that we're going to talk about in this mix, Rafael Dos Anjos, Colby Covington, Usman and Darren Till are on that list for, for Tyron Woodley. So right. we'll see. Ponzinibbio beats Kamaru Usman, hands him his first UFC loss. Then he's also on that short list. The other fight that is reported at this time, I believe BJPenn.com, but not necessarily formalized or confirmed by the UFC, Darren Till. First show in Liverpool, May 27th, I believe. Steven Wonderboy Thompson. This is the opponent that Darren Till wants for obvious reasons, not just that he's a striker, but he's the number one or two-ranked welterweight contender right now. That's the fight, Kenny. Till Thompson. And, and you know Dana White, McMaynard, Sean Shelby. They're trying to make it. I think at this point all they need is Steven Wonderboy Thompson to, to sign on the dotted line. Maybe they can sweeten the pot. I don't know exactly what the holdup is, but uh, you got to think, Kenny, that's the fight that they are jonesing to make for, for May 27th. Listen, it's a tremendous fight, um, and, and I'm not comparing Darren Till here to, to Josh Emmett because Darren Till, obviously a lot of people are very excited about him. Um, you know, Josh Emmett didn't have that same kind of um, hype uh, maybe around him that Darren Till has. Uh, however... This is kind. Of, this is a risky fight for Wonder Boy. Wonder Boy is sitting at what the number two. Probably why it's not guy? signed. What's that? Yeah, Probably I know. Why it's not that, signed with all due respect. Exactly, exactly. And there's a huge risk for Wonder Boy to take this fight against a guy in Darren Till, um, who, I mean, he looks like he's above 200 pounds in the offseason. This guy is, he is huge, mass. Man. He's huge. He's a huge welterweight. And guess what? He's an excellent striker as well. He's a guy who hits very hard. Um, you know. As far as striking goes, Wonderboy is as elite as elite as it gets. Uh, not only in mixed martial arts, but in kickboxing in general. The way this guy moves, his footwork, his ability to find his range, uh, the various weapons that he has to catch you with. Um, he's a tremendous fighter. But this is a very dangerous fight for Darren Till, a guy who likes to close that space down. Um, he's a southpaw. Um, you know, he and he's just... Again, a guy that if he catches you, he's going to put you to sleep, period. Um, yeah. So I, I'm fascinated with this fight. I think this is a risk for Wonder Boy. Um, if he takes this fight or if he's taking this fight, uh, I give him huge props. And Darren Till just feels like the general public has no idea how good he is and no idea that he has been doing this for 15 years. He believes he is the best pure striker in mixed martial arts. And what better way to prove it than... Exactly. Against Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, the guy who many believe is that guy right now. So hopefully that can get done. What a fight. And it gets you excited about where we are at 170 pounds as all of these big fights come together. And that brings us to Rafael Dos Anjos and Colby Covington. And maybe this was the report from BJPenn.com. But it seems as though, Kenny, there are some legs to a UFC interim welterweight championship fight at UFC 224, also in the month of May. But earlier, between Rafael Dos Anjos and Colby Covington. We were led to believe that the Dos Anjos-Woodley fight was all but signed for Chicago in June, and now we're hearing about this interim welterweight championship fight in May. So uh, your thoughts on RDA Covington and how that factors into this welterweight mix? 
Well, it's interesting. I, again, if we were hearing that this fight between RDA and, and Woodley was going to happen in Chicago and now um, they're going to make this RDA Covington fight, I, I think the UFC is probably sending him a message um, like, yeah. hey, you know, if you're healthy or if you're going to be healthy uh, to prepare for that fight, take the fight. You know, take right. the fight. What are you waiting for? It's what champs do. Um, and, and I completely see their side to it. Um, I, do I love interim title fights? Absolutely not. I, and I don't think it's warranted here in this case. Uh, you know, for Woodley, again, if he's making the excuse that he is injured and he's not able to take that fight, if that is his excuse, I think that's the message that the UFC is sending. Well, if you're right. if you're injured, then, okay, we don't know when you're going to come back. You don't know. You don't know a date. Cool, then we'll put an interim uh, title fight on the line, you know, right. basically sending him a message, which I get. I get the business side of things. You know, Tyron mm-hmm. hasn't been the easiest guy to work with. Um, I know Tyron personally. He's a great guy, a great individual, one of the best um, mixed martial arts fighters in the game, period. Um, I have a lot of respect for Tyron, but, you know, he, he sticks to his guns as well. And, and yep. um, you know, this is a business right now. They're kind of in a little bit of a dispute. And, uh, as far as Covington and RDA, if that's the fight that happens, um, I think it makes sense. I, I think both those guys um, either want they, – they want a belt. Let's put it that way. Covington right. doesn't want to fight anybody right. unless it's for a belt. Um, right. and, and this kind of uh, keeps everyone satisfied. And RDA, I mean, he deserves it. This guy has done everything. Oh, he yeah. went and, and beat Robbie Lawler, a former champion, in, in, in tremendous fashion. Um, he deserves it as well. I think this is a fight that makes sense. And I appreciate your candor on the Tyron Woodley side because I know you spent a lot of time working with the guy. I've been to his house in Ferguson, Missouri, right? And we can only call it like we see it. But the other side of this is what you were sort of getting to with Rafael Dos Anjos and Colby Covington. What we don't know, at least right now, is if those two guys would have accepted a fight against the other were an interim title not on the line, right? Because Rafael Dos Anjos beat Robbie Lawler decisively in a main event on Fox. He was the backup plan at UFC 214 if Damian Maya couldn't make the walk against Tyron Woodley, right? Mm-hmm. So for Rafael Dos Anjos to take the Covington fight, I know people get super offended by interim titles, and, and maybe I'm more of a fan of them than the average man is, but to get RDA to go to Rio de Janeiro on May whatever for UFC 224, like I would think for RDA, if a belt's not on the line, he's not signing on the line. Yeah. Right? No, and, and and it makes sense. Again, this is the guy who has done everything um, he he really has needed to do uh, in this division. Um, I, I think he deserves that shot, and and you know I think they're doing this interim belt uh, to appease Covington, to appease RDA, uh, and most likely right. send a message to Tyron at the same time. Right, and that's part of the business and a lot of different angles of it, and yeah. Woodley certainly has stuck to his guns, as you mentioned in the past, and it has paid off fruitfully, right? He's been yes. on big pay-per-views, UFC 205 and UFC 214, right? So uh, we'll see how, how they choose to proceed there. But, uh, I, you know, I, it's certainly the, the competitive sports fan in the two of us doesn't love an interim title fight right. inside of a year from Woodley's last title defense. And certainly he's been one of the more active UFC champions over the last 18 months or so. Um, but he ultimately hasn't fought since July. And it's a promotion that has 41 live events and they need main events, yes. ideally of the championship variety. A lot, lot of different, you know, I used to talk to Joe Silva. There are just so many people that you're trying to please and handle in this equation television and everything else it's just it's just not that easy 
And promotionally, I think you just got to give them a little slack when it comes to some of these interim championships. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, and I agree. I I agree. Listen, at the end of the day, they have to put big fights on the table. And you know what? Fans want to see the fights. The fans want to see the fights, and the UFC is trying to deliver them. Um, I I totally get that. Um, And I think if we can go back in time a little bit, let's go back to a a fighter like a George St. Pierre who, um, you know, fought a lot of these guys that maybe people didn't, you know, think. I don't know. I mean, it it wasn't the same – uh, kind of situation, but GSP fought them all. You know, GSP right, wasn't right. out there saying, well, I don't want to fight this guy because I don't think it's going right. to be a big pay-per-view draw. You know what I mean? Now right, everyone's right. about the pay-per-view draw. What's going to br- you know, bring me the most amount of money? And I get that. It is a business, but you have to look at the other side of things as well, that the UFC is trying to deliver these big fights, trying to deliver uh, a lot of these uh, big events. And, you know, now we're in an age where no one wants to, no one wants to take the fight. Everyone's kind of scared right. to take a certain fight because – I don't know. I think there's very few people that are able to um, really call for the fights that they actually want. You know what I mean? And yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I don't know. And there's no you're you make a lot of good points. And there's also a strategic part of this, too. Right. Like if you're Tyron Woodley and you get all these welterweights to compete in the month of May in five round fights. Right. Darren Till. Kamaru Usman, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, Colby Covington, Rafael Dos Anjos, the forgotten man, Santiago Ponzinibbio. And then you say, all right, you know, June, July, August, you know, August, September, Woodley put the belt on the line. So those guys would have to have back to back championship trading camps. Right. And I mean, don't you think for Dos Anjos, he'd rather fight Woodley on this timeline right now than have to prep for Covington and then three months later fight Tyron Woodley? So there's so many different angles that go into all of this. No, and and let's talk about, you know, some of the old school fighters like Frank Yeager, who we just talked to. You know, he did take that risk. He didn't have to fight Brian Ortega. That Max Holloway fight was in the bag already for him. He took the risk against Ortega. Um, and he lost, He lost, unfortunately. So now yeah. he's not going to get that shot against Max Holloway for his next one. So, again, I, I totally get the risk-reward thing. Um, it is not an easy thing. I've been there. It, it, it's tough. There's a lot of tough decisions on both sides here. All right, we're going to get to some other UFC headlines here in a moment. First, though, give me a minute to tell you about Mattress Firm. Everyone knows how important stretching is before an event. Well, so does Mattress Firm, except it's your dollar. Your budget stretches further when you're shopping at America's Neighborhood Mattress Store. It's a true home run, and you'll have a ball. They're the head coaches when it comes to mattress expertise. But know this, they're more than mattress experts. They have a game plan that helps you transform your mattress into a bed. From adjustable bases and sheets to headboards and bedroom decor, they have you literally and figuratively covered up like your favorite cornerback. Go to mattressfirm.com slash podcast to see what deals are happening as I read this sentence to you. They even offer you a 120-night sleep trial to ensure perfection and a 120-night low-price guarantee so you know you paid the perfect price. Talk about a one-two punch, a knockout, if you will. So score big with a perfect bed. Head to mattressfirm.com slash podcast to get the play-by-play on how you can monumentally improve your sleep today, tonight, and tomorrow. All right, so one fight flow that is not happening, TJ Dillashaw, Demetrius Johnson, and you can count me among the disappointed. Dwayne Bang Ludwig had some good things to say on the MMA on the MMA Hour last week about why this fight had such appeal for him. He sees TJ Dillashaw as this all-time great, greatest bantamweight of all time. He sees Demetrius Johnson similarly at 125 pounds, and I don't know exactly why this didn't come together. Perhaps DJ's demands were were too great financially. He did have shoulder surgery in January, so perhaps the calendar didn't align. 
But, Kenny, I'm disappointed, man. I thought this fight was going to happen maybe July 7th, and if you take Dana White at his word, it doesn't seem like this one's going to go down. Jeez. You know, again, this is a fight that I was looking forward to. Obviously, we had TJ Dillashaw on the show, um, and, you know, it seemed like it was going to happen. Now, now mm -hmm. here's the thing. Is this one of those? Is, is this one of these fights that isn't going to happen? Like Bisping and GSP wasn't going to happen. You know what right, I mean? Right, right. I, I don't know. Like, is this a, a, a negotiating tactic of saying, "Hey, this is this is now off the table" to get one of these fighters to come back and go, "Okay, listen, I'll, let, let's do it." I, I don't. I don't know, but um, I, I'm sure that uh, a lot of people are frustrated. You know, myself included, uh, that this fight isn't going to happen. Super fights are rare. Super fights are rare, and the UFC had an opportunity, I think, to put on a couple super fights. We had the Stipe Miocic Daniel Cormier fight, like that's the mm -hmm. that's the date I believe that they were looking at, and to have right. another kind of super fight with Dillashaw um, and Demetrius Johnson, um, and possible uh, Amanda Nunes Cyborg fight. Right. You know they really could have delivered uh, a blockbuster um, main card. Right. You know with those three title fights, um, which are truly super fights, which we haven't really seen in the UFC. I think there's only been really a couple of those. You know, there was the GSP BJ Penn. I think that was a, right. a, a super fight. Um, as far as, you know, guys coming together from two different weight classes that everybody wanted to right. see, guys that right. people thought were, you know, GOAT candidates. Um, right. You know, Florian Carol Alexis. That's huge, huge. That we, we, right. Of course, right. that was, um, you know, obviously what we wanted to see the Anderson Silva um, GSP fight for a long time that didn't come right. to fruition so right. it's tough to put these fights together and uh, again I, I think this is just a, a more of a business decision on the parts of the fighters and, and the UFC that just wasn't able to, to make it happen at this time I think it's right. a fight that I think will happen um, and, and I hope it does happen I hope it happens in the near future maybe they, they could pull this back together man who knows it, it, Still it wouldn't seem like we there is and it wouldn't seem like we would see Demetrius Johnson before July anyway. So who knows if uh, this is just public posturing or what it is. But in terms of a next opponent for TJ Dillashaw, Kenny, and again, we had him on the show recently. You heard his thoughts on Cody Garbrandt and Dominic Cruz. And TJ said it's not as though the Garbrandt rematch doesn't have value or legs. The timing wasn't going to be right for us to do it back at UFC 222 earlier this month. Jimmy Rivera has a fight on June 1st already scheduled, which is two and a half months away. So here's this guy who's won like 38 fights in a row, yeah. and he has that main event against Marlon Marais. And if Jimmy Rivera is going to be the next guy for Dillashaw, that's not going to be until late in the year, right? So that's going to be what amounts to a year-long layoff for TJ Dillashaw, if not longer, no longer. So I don't know, Flo. I, I mean, do you think it's going to be Garbrandt or Cruz now for Dillashaw? Like, if it's not DJ... I got to think they want to make a Bantamweight championship fight, and those would be the two names that would be out there. I, I would think so. I think Garbert yeah. and Cruz are, are the candidates right now that, that make the most sense timing-wise. Um, obviously, you just mentioned what Jimmy Rivera has coming up June 1st. Um, and, geez, I mean, that that's an amazing fight as well. Marais, are you kidding me? And Rivera? Um, I, you know, in, in some instances, I, I wonder if the UFC is saying, listen, you know, for TJ – you still have unfinished business at 135 pounds. Look at all the contenders that are out there. There's still a lot of great fights at 135 pounds. The Garbrandt rematch, I think a lot of people would like to see happen. I know Dillashaw won that fight early in the second round, but 
I think it's a fight that still makes a lot of sense. I could watch those guys fight all day, and the hype leading up to it is tremendous. Uh, Dominic Cruz, obviously. Um, I think T.J. Dillashaw would probably want revenge. It seemed like he kind of didn't want that fight. Right. Uh, in, in some ways, I, I think it's because it's a very difficult fight for him. Yeah. Anytime you fight a Dominic Cruz, it's going to be tricky, okay? You're, you're not going to yeah. go out there and just... It's not an easy game plan uh, for someone like Dominic Cruz. So I think that's probably what has TJ Dillashaw a little hesitant. And of course, you know, uh, Dominic lost his last fight. So in his mind, he's like, yeah, what do I have to gain? But, I mean, Dominic beat him in that first round. I know it was a close fight. It really could have gone yeah. either way. I thought they were going to give the nod to TJ maybe. But uh, right. it was a close, close fight. Um, and I think for TJ... You, you got to be thinking, listen, I, I want revenge. I, I want to show that I can beat Dominic. And, right. and it seems right. like he doesn't want that fight. But right. um, there were a lot of great fights in that division. Marais and Rivera going at it, and he still has, you know, to fight the winner of that would be huge uh, and interesting. So, um, you know, there's no shortage of fights at 135 pounds. There are shortage of fights at 125 pounds. I mean, who does DJ right. fight next if he doesn't fight D Dillashaw? Yeah, no, it's Who a good question. Fight? I think Henry Cejudo would probably be the guy. I mean, Joseph Benavidez and Sergio Pettis have a date this summer, but Benavidez certainly is closer to a title fight than Pettis, who is now coming off that loss to Cejudo. Um, but you're right. I mean, I think that's also a, a big picture part of the issue, right, is that the, the fight for DJ right now, I think, is TJ. And unfortunately, uh, despite that timing seeming to be good, uh, it doesn't seem like it's going to happen. Well, we'll see. A lot of interesting possibilities. I, I remember I, I, I requested a sit down with Big John McCarthy because I was so convinced. Well, not so convinced, but I was convinced that Dillashaw had beaten Dominic Cruz in that fight. And I thought Carlos Condit beat Robbie Lawler at UFC 195. Yeah. So I asked to meet with John McCarthy so he could explain to me why I was wrong on both accounts. And he did so. He said that Cruz and Lawler respectively won those two fights. But yeah, yeah it's up to was, But that's the thing is this. And, and I respect Big John McCarthy. He's, no, I, the guy knows his stuff. Uh, you know, upside down, left and right, uh, backwards and forwards. But it's still an opinion at the end of the day. Yes. You know right. what I mean? There's no. Yep. So it's. Yeah. Right. And and, you know, me. like when I when there's a close fight, I, there are two or three that I seek out. And, and yours is foremost among them. Right. Am I, am I crazy in thinking that Carlos Condit right. won that fight? But and, uh, yeah. You no. Know, and, and just to go back to the Cejudo Demetrius Johnson thing. Um, oh, yeah. You know, I, I think that's a great fight. But if, if Demetrius Johnson wants more money, right, if he wants more money, he has the choice of fighting Dillashaw, which is going to bring him more money, I think. We, you know, I, I don't know what, what the base salary is, but if it goes to pay-per-view, I would think they would have a piece of the pie, right? I would right. assume. Right, right. Um, that's going to bring him a lot more money than a rematch against Henry Cejudo, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, so I, I, really I don't know. Don't know yeah, it's what a the holdup is. It's if I had to guess, it's that the the demands for the guaranteed money from from DJ and or TJ is not uh, dovetailing with what the UFC's bottom line is for that fight. So right. we shall see if it plays out. And of course, too, when it comes to serving masters, right? Nunez Cyborg for July, sure, but we've got this master known as UFC 224 coming up on May 12th that needed a headliner, and mm -hmm. and Amanda Nunez is going to do it against Raquel Pennington there. So. In terms of, of the money, Dustin Poirier had an interesting quote. Um, I think MMAJunkie.com had the piece. And here's the quote from Poirier. I don't know how many contracts I've had with the UFC, but this is my first one with championship language in it. We have a plan figured out for when I win the belt, and it's in my contract. This is my first contract with that in it, and I've had a lot of contracts with the UFC. This is the closest I've ever come to being a world champion, and everything is happening like clockwork, like it's supposed to. 
Kenny, you three times fought for a USC championship, so obviously a lot of your contracts had championship language in it. Why is Poirier getting championship language now? Is it because he got to a certain ranking? I know how highly the promotion thinks of him, but Mm -hmm. why all of a sudden now and not maybe in the previous contract when he was still entrenched? I mean, this guy who had a fight against Conor McGregor, why now do you think for 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 Dustin to get that type of contract language. Any idea? Well, I, I would say, yeah, it, it definitely has something to do with his ranking. I think it has to do with the fact that the UFC probably believes that he could fight for the belt uh, in the future and, and become a champion in the future. And, and I think that, uh, you know, when I had that in my contract, that was very motivating to me. That made me work that much harder, that there there is a goal now, that there is, um, you know, also – just the, the fact that there's a monetary compensation that, that goes with uh, becoming a champion now. It, it takes you to a whole different level. Um, it, it doesn't guarantee you that money, right? I mean, he still needs to be a course, belt right. holder in order to probably get uh, perhaps a, a pay-per-view percentage that they were probably talking about in his contract. So, right. uh, But either way, um, it's very motivating and it's very rewarding as well that the organization sees you in that light, that you have the opportunity uh, to possibly get that. Um, yep. and uh, I think that's great news for Dustin, man. Yeah, he, he deserves, deserves it. it. He's headlined a lot for the UFC against the Korean Zombie, Michael yep. Johnson, um, recently, of course, against Anthony Showtime Pettis. And, you know, he, when he was on our show, as I mentioned, he said Khabib Nurmagomedov is the toughest fight for him at 155 pounds. You know, maybe Poirier is a guy you'd throw into that mix if you had to pick someone to beat Khabib, but I'm not sure, at least right now, that you would pick him over Tony Ferguson. All right, I'm breaking a promise to myself. There were two things I was not going to talk about today, and one of them was Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather. Huh. So I did a lot of media last week, and a lot of it was because of the McGregor-Mayweather talk and mm-hmm. Floyd's seeming desire now to compete in a mixed martial arts setting. I can't even say this without a sarcastic undertone, but I know you rubbed shoulders with T. Wood last week, who is reportedly training Floyd. Um before I leave to go put every dollar I own on Conor McGregor to beat Floyd Mayweather in a mixed <laughs> martial arts fight, like what what is Tyron telling? What bold faced lies is he telling right. to your face? Right. Well, listen, I, I really try to get a gauge on Tyron <clears throat> and his body language and what he was saying. <laughs> and uh, he was serious, man. He's like, no, he's like, I'm telling you. He's like, you, you uh, think whatever you want. He's like, you think whatever you want. He's like, I'm telling you that. I am going to train him for a mixed martial arts fight. Right, it could right. be Connor, could be someone else. I don't know. It's crazy, dude. This is craziness. It's crazy. But listen, you know, <laughs> I know. we know the I know. result of this, like we knew the result of the boxing match, right? But we're still going to watch. We're still going to watch. And you know, I, I keep saying, you know, what, what's the motivation for for Mayweather to do it? And listen, for me. If, you, if I have a hundred million in the bank, I'm good. I'm you, John. Right, you'll, John, right. you'll never you'll never talk to me again. You'll never Christ. talk to me. I'll block. Right. I'll block your number, <laughs> dude. I will block I your. You'll never talk to me. I again. think you block it on the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> no, but listen. Yeah, I have a hundred million in the bank. I'm good. I don't need any more, man. Right, I, right. I, I got ten million in the bank. I'm fine. But some people they want more. And there's yeah. 300 million reasons or more why Mayweather would come back. You know, that, that's how much he made in that first fight. If the, if the numbers are right and the UFC says, hey, listen, you can make the same amount of money that you made in that boxing fight. You can make right. 300 million, whatever it is. Connor walks away with 100 million. You know, the UFC does over 2 million pay-per-view buys. Again, why, why wouldn't you do it? There's so a lot of money I, on the table. 
Uh, yeah, I, I don't. Oh, man. I don't even know. I'm trying not to go too far down a road here. Yeah. But so when when Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather competed in a boxing ring, I, I certainly gave Conor McGregor a puncher's chance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I you know I bet on the guy. I think in rounds one through four. Okay, so shame on me, right? I largely I was very wrong about how that fight played out. But did you give Conor McGregor at least a puncher's chance going in there against Floyd Mayweather? Yeah, it's okay. I, I, if you I, no, I no. listen. I, I think that. Uh, I understood that, uh, you know, Connor is an amazing individual who, um, you know, turns his visions into reality. I, I didn't think he'd be able to do it against someone like Mayweather because of this. Because, listen, there's a lot of guys that punch very hard as professional boxers that, that weigh 154 pounds, harder than, harder than Connor. Um, and they weren't able to really rattle Mayweather, not even rattle him. Um, so, for that reason, I, I didn't, you know, think that Connor could could win. I, I thought it was a possibility. There's always a possibility. It's a fight. Well, right. the same way, it's a possibility that Mayweather, with four ounce gloves, could catch Connor. You know, Connor gets cocky. He kind of goes out to yeah. frame, touches that lead. Boom! Mayweather lands one, and it's out. However, right? right. Connor, yeah. Connor just goes out. He throws a few kicks. He takes him down, and, and he and he basically gives a little taste to Mayweather of what it's like. To be on a, on the octagon floors, and, and and he beats him. You know, whether he pounds him out um, or he submits him. Um, either way, listen. This could be one of those things where, listen, I fought you. I fought you in boxing. That's the best thing that you do. You come and do what I do. Yeah. Let's make it even. Let's make it fair. Right. I I went out and basically put my ego aside and did your craft. Now come over to mine. Come over to my world. Let's make it even. Ugh. It's just disgusting, though. I mean, like, I, like I have a hard time being respectful when I'm doing these interviews right. because, like, Connor is still—he's a kickboxer, he's a striker, right? Like, listen, I mean, man, I, Mayweather's got a seven out of ten in wrestling. Okay, that he he rated his yeah, wrestling right. a seven. That's out- right. I forgot. I forgot. I wonder what his ranking is in EA Sports UFC three with his wrestling. I guess I just—I don't under like I just don't quite understand the puncher's chance for Floyd if Connor approaches this as a mixed martial arts contest. Right. And, and that's not even getting into the weight and the physicality, right? Like, yes, if you make Conor McGregor cut down to 145 or 146 pounds mm-hmm. to fight Floyd Mayweather in MMA, then maybe Floyd in some freak scenario catches right. him with four-ounce gloves. And I'm not trying to denigrate Floyd Mayweather, but it's not as though he's 28 years old either. I just don't understand if Conor were to approach this like an MMA fight and take the path of least resistance. I mean, maybe you play around at distance a little bit, but you find right. a way to take the fighter down, you give him a scar for life with an right. elbow, and you <laughs> ruin the man. Like, Connor is younger, he's stronger, he's in his fighting prime. I don't I don't understand why, why Vegas is even taking action on these two competing well, in MMA, Kenny. I just don't, I don't see it. I don't understand. Well, listen, apparently, apparently Mayweather just got in a fight with T.I. in Vegas. So he might as well get paid for it. I mean, they there were at a strip go. joint yeah. or something, and wow. I guess he hit T.I., or I don't know. That's what the reports are. You might as well get paid for it. Well, you know, try to hit Connor in an octagon and, and get paid a couple hundred million. Well, right? we'll see. And, and, and hopefully the listeners that didn't want to hear that were able to at least fast forward a little <laughs> bit. But nationally, I can assure you they are talking about this. And it, He's I, applying for a license. Is that right, John? That yeah. Mayweather's supposedly applying for a license, or there's been a process that has been started yeah i mean i i don't know i just feel like conor mcgregor's mma prime is so precious and to delay it any further with this sideshow is just insanity and 
I, I brought it up because you, you, you had some time with Tyron Woodley, who, if I'm keeping track, has now told you Sage Northcutt is going to be a UFC champion. <laughs> and that, that could, I mean, I give that a lot more right. legs than, than right. Floyd Mayweather getting sure. in there with Conor McGregor. And it's, it's so much Randy Couture, James Tony to me, right? Like, as a mixed martial arts fan, first and foremost now, a former big boxing fan that I am, I wanted so badly for Randy to smash James Tony, mm-hmm. And this would just take it to a completely different level. And I have had great personal interactions with Floyd Mayweather. I mean, I got the money team, okay, right here. Like, I'm a fan. Like, I'm right. a definite <laughs> Floyd Mayweather fan. But I don't want him anywhere near that octagon. I don't have this great right. desire to call that fight. And if it does happen, you know, I really hope that Connor can send a message on behalf of this sport, not unlike Randy did, that this is not your element. And we're going to take you down. We're going to pound you out. We're going to give you a scar for life and enjoy your money, you know. Connor is laughing right now from his castle in Ireland. Right yeah, yeah, yeah. He, hopefully he's, he's listening. Hopefully he did like my Burger King tweet, so I appreciated there that. There you go, yeah. Spicy, crispy chicken sandwich. <laughs> All right, let's get to Ray Longo. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. All right, so Raymond Peter Longo now joins us. What's all over your hand? You still all taped up, Ray? I mean, Jesus. I got to say, these guys are breaking me down, man. I, I, my yeah. thumb is killing me now, so whatever. I will withstand the pain and get everybody Jeez. to the fights. And it's not easy, you know. You told me not you easy. shaved. It doesn't look like you shaved. Well, no, well, that was I shaved a couple of days ago, I guess. Oh, okay. So. Okay. I, mean, I, I, uh, I didn't say shave today. I just said I shaved. Okay, I got you. <laughs> Man, I mean, I feel bad talking about the video for our for our audio only people, but your hair is like all over the fucking place. Is it cabbage huh? again? What what'd you call lettuce? Lettuce. 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 I don't know what to do. I don't know. Listen, at this stage of the game, I'm happy to have hair. I don't care where yeah, it grows. Right. You know? Well, if you don't have hair, just go to fourhims.com. So you were burning the midnight oil with uh, with Aljamain Sterling last night. He's got Brett Johns coming up April 21 in Atlantic City. I mean, this guy always looks good, but uh, he just, I don't know, physically, he just like looks like he's coming into his body. He looks thicker to me. Oh, man. I gotta th- he's just, he's a beast, man. I think we're going to see a good fight out of Aljo. We had a great night last night. And yeah, physically, I think he's... Now, he's a specimen. And this is a guy not on any drugs, just so everybody knows. <laughs> right. I, you know, we got the news about Marab again, and uh, that kind of sucks, man, that that guy's out of the fight. Uh, right. What was his name? Uh, Augusto Mendez. I mean, I, I really just don't even know what's going on. So it's like two times in a row it's hitting home. And I did an interview with Newsday on Saturday night, and I was I had an epiphany. And this is we're going to solve this problem, and this is how we solve it. The I'm UFC all ears. likes, yeah. Look, the UFC, Kenny, you're gonna like this. The all UFC right. likes to control everything. You know, I got ten pairs of sneakers every fight. <laughs> they, they, they put money into the performance center. This is what they do. They start a supplement company. They manufacture their own supplements. These are the only supplements you could use. Mm-hmm. That way, it's controlled. We take wow. that off the table. We take it off the table. This is the only supplements. What do you want? Protein powder, branch chain aminos, whatever you want. We're gonna make it. We're going to make it in a clean environment, put Navinsky, let him oversee it. You solve that problem. You take that off the table. Now there's no more tainted supplements. Simple. Kenny, what Kenny? What do you think about that? I Fighters obviously have their particular needs and dietary and otherwise. What do you right. think about that? 
Yeah, but a supplement, yeah. if a supplement is good, a supplement is good. You can't tell me that, you know, I got to use this supplement over that supplement. Right. You know, if you have a good company and they'll put the time and the, the money into doing it the right way, I think you take that whole supplement, tainted supplement off the table because if I hear another guy, I want to clear my name, I want to do that. They could test us, all three of us, a hundred times in a row. Nothing's coming up. And we all take supplements. Nothing's coming up. Right. The, these burgers down in Mexico, man. I don't get <laughs> that's it. That's story. what it is. These burgers. What do you think of the supplement thing? Listen, I, I think it's a good idea. I, I think I think the roadblock there are, are the legal roadblocks. I, I think that, you know, yeah, there might be a conflict of interest there. But also, I think legally, that might be a tough thing for the UFC to do. And that that's quite a responsibility. But... I think it, logically it makes a hell of a lot of sense, right? I mean, I mean, Kenny, they yeah. put together that that performance center is sure. maybe the best in the world. They're saying at this point, why it's not have a supplement yeah. line that you could? Why not have a supplement line you could trust? Mm-hmm. Why not? Longo's lipid yeah. panels. No, I, uh, I mean, what is what is what is no, that? Because, that's you know, a huge undertaking, right? But though, here's the thing. Not? But here's the thing, I, Ray. Is it really yeah. the supplements? I mean, that's what everyone's saying. Well, that's what I'm saying, but yeah. take it off the table. Now they right. Exactly, say right. Take, take the now excuse away. That. Take the excuse away, right. I get what you're saying, yeah. Take no. the excuse away. Sure. You have the money to do it. It's a good thing for everybody. Everybody, look, if you supplement the right way and really use supplements the way they're supposed to, mm-hmm. I think these guys would really be surprised at the gains they make and right. that they could do it that way too. Supplementation is, you need it. You, you're never going to get the right. You know, it's hard to get everything just from eating good foods. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think it's a win-win for everybody. You take that off the table. You know, you heard Victor Conte's thing about he thinks John Jones was microdosing on testosterone. And, uh, you know. It was tainted. It, it, yeah. was, it wasn't a clean laboratory, you know, and that some of the Torinobol was still in the vats. And, you know, depending on where you go, like I suspect in my head what I see is John Jones went to a lab similar to, you ever see Narcos when they're making the fucking cocaine out in Bogota, out in the jungles? I think that's where he went, Kenny. I think that was where he got his stuff off. You think those, you think those guys care about cleaning yeah. the vats? Is... Smacking the cocaine down, Kenny? Come on! Can you guys get uh, on board and support me? You're killing me, dude. I'm on board. We're on board. Okay. We're on Ray's board. On Leave fire. us alone, Ray. We're Let me on board. I'll tell you something. It's Ray's Monday morning and I'm completely out of my fucking mind. <laughs> Did you get into uh, some of those vats, Ray? What's going holy on? Holy shit. I got to tell oh you. Oh, my goodness. Man. Ray, listen, let's talk about your guy, Ally Aquinta. Um, How's he doing? Is he healthy? Uh, This is an awesome fight against Felder, man. We're all excited. What's up? Everything's good, man. He's been, like, again, I'm I'm happy to see the guy training the right way. We haven't done this in a while. Uh, You know, like, again, he really hasn't even wrestled, you know, for a while. He's bringing back his wrestling, and he's been blending everything together great. So I'm happy he's healthy. Um, he's he's coming to fight. That I, I, it will be a great fight because both guys are tough as shit, and they're both coming to fight. And I think that can only be a, a crowd pleaser. All right, level with me though. Is this an anxious week for you? I mean, you seem to be in in great spirits today, but this this final week. I mean, you're trying no, to a, no, to this week's a heart attack, John. It <laughs> yeah. really is. I, I might have a heart attack this week. It really at that part is. I mean, that's tough, but yeah, we get them through this week. It's clear sailing, but uh, 
yeah, this is this shit is definitely not fun that way because my heart literally pounds during sparring. It really does. Oh, it's I'm not, sure. It's just I'm sure. I, I don't know. Right. I mean, injury prone fighter or otherwise, you are trying to peak this athlete while also keeping him healthy and you have one week to go. And I get anxious as I'm prepping for this interview today, thinking about what your Monday is like getting now ready. So we're excited yeah, to no. see it, man. I mean, you and I got to figure out some sort of bet here on this fight just for fun. Uh, yeah. maybe you shave your head if that loses or something. We'll have to figure it out. <laughs> oh, is that what you want? Shave my head. Don't like, let him do it. it. I'm, Don't let hey, Kenny, I'm, I'm like Ulysses, man. You shave my head, man. I just go into a corner and die somewhere. <laughs> this is all I got left. You want to take yeah, away? Yeah, look at those locks, I... Anna. Come on. Yeah. I know. I mean, you want to take away that? You might as well pluck out my eyeballs, too. I'll have nothing. Huh. And well, we would do nothing to the, those beautiful blues. All right. Oh, you got man. anything else before we let you scoot, man? Uh, man, that, that rant wasn't enough. I thought that was going to cover everything. <laughs> no, it was amazing. I, I gave even, you seven honestly, good minutes. It's called the Ray energy. Longo Minute. I have right. no more energy after that. Oh, man. I Stay out of those vats, to... Longo. Stay out of those That's vats it. over there. Penny, we solved the problem. I like it. I like An it. epiphany. No legal. There's no legal issues. Yeah, I mean. Why not? I want to listen. I'd like the next fight. I go home with a couple of cases of protein powder instead of. 25 pairs of size 12 sneakers. You know what I mean? Like, well, I now think I think you uh, what do you think? I, don't give... think I, I don't even think I'm doing this for the money. I just do it for the clothes and the sneakers now. Are you wearing Reeboks right now? Uh, right now I am not, no. He's not even wearing them. See, I was hoping at least you were wearing them so then I could say, well, I'm you're gonna, fucking wearing their shoes right now, but you're not my, wearing uh, I'm going to take a picture of my foyer, though. They're all stacked up. I'm yeah. very proud of those Reeboks that I don't, you know, I haven't been wearing, but uh, I wear them fight night. That's all that matters. Well, maybe you start requesting some nines instead of twelves, and you send them here to Boca Raton, Florida. All right? Uh, uh, oh yeah, there you go. No, yeah, I'm, we, I'm good. We I have if we know anybody who's a size 12, let me know because they're going to uh, Yeah, we will. Hard. We'll send some yeah. listeners some size 12 Reeboks from Yo, Donate, the don't, donate those to some, like, river or something. Some kids use them as a canoe or something. Don't you yeah, yeah, that. yeah, definitely. Yeah. Could use Lord them, knows. Put your hands, Lord. You put your hands in them, they're like good focus mitts. Sometimes <laughs> I use them for that. Because Lord knows, Ray, we have plenty of Reebok down here in Boca Raton, Florida, by the way. We're well taken care of. Hey, thank you uh, for the time. Um, right. Tighten it up with Al, man. We wish you guys all the all the best. I look forward to shaking your hand in Brooklyn here in about a week and a half, my man. Beautiful. Can't wait. Literally can't wait. All right, buddy. Have a good week. Take there he is. Ray Ronco every Bye. week here on the Anakin Florian podcast. That is a hell of a fight at 155 yes. pounds. First fight you'll see on pay-per-view at UFC 223. Iaquinta against Paul Felder. And we heard on one of our first episodes, Ray Longo started talking, Kenny, about how with his elite guys, it's all about health. If he could just get Wyman to the fight, he feels like he's got the best guy in that division. And he feels similarly to Al, not as not that Al is the five tool player necessarily that Chris Wyman is in modern day MMA. But he feels like if he can keep Iaquinta healthy, he, he can get the big fights. He's got the big fight. Just got to keep him healthy, get him to the dance and let his skills take over. No easy task, man. Um, as a coach, that's probably... Uh, the most nerve-wracking thing is, you know, there's one thing. It's one thing to prepare your fighters, but there's a balance, right? Because you want to head into a fight knowing that you did everything. That you, you know, you crossed all your T's, dotted all your I's. You know, heading into that fight. But sometimes it's very easy to do too much and have your uh, have your guys overtrained, injured, mm -hmm. heading into a fight. Um, and now, you know, juggling all these guys that are injured, they've been dealing with some. 
uh, body issues and, you know, having, you know, past surgeries and all this stuff. It is really tough, man, because it, this is a dangerous sport, and you have to make sure that your um, your guys are very well prepared. Um, but at the same time, you got to keep them healthy as well. Otherwise, they're not getting paid. Otherwise, they're not doing what they love. So, right. um, just a, a very, very difficult job being being a coach in mixed martial arts is is tough, man. Paul Felder, that if he wins the fight against Iaquinta, and this is the Bostonian and me come out, but I said if you win the fight in New York. You have to say something about the Super Bowl champion, Philadelphia Eagles, incite the New York masses. And that immediately <laughs> shut down the conversation. Felder didn't respond to my text. A couple other fights, That's Kenny. Fun. Michael Chiesa, Anthony Pettis. And we're going to talk to Mike Brown here in a minute about Ioana Youngjacek and Rose Namajunas and Poirier and everything else. Chiesa Pettis, Hanato Moicano, Calvin Cater. The lesser talked about fight, obviously, is Calvin Cater and Hanato Moicano. And... Two guys here who think they're going to be champion. Big frames for this 145 yeah. division. And, and I think when you look at the main card for 223, th this is the forgotten fight, and it shouldn't be. No, absolutely. Calvin Cater and Moicano, that's my fight to watch right there. I mean, uh, Cater been representing Boston um, very, very well. Uh, really coming into his own. Really seems very comfortable in the octagon now. And Hanato Moicano was a guy that a lot of people thought could be a champion in that division in the future prior to running into Brian Ortega. Um, I think he was undefeated uh, before Ortega. Is that correct? Yep. Um, but uh, Moicano is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, good striker, um, very game um, when it comes to standing on the feet. And uh, Cater, very much cut from that same cloth. So um, I think that's going to be a banger, man. All right, now with us on the guest line, as promised, the 2016 Anakin Florian Podcast Award winner for Corner Man of the Year. They got him on video today, and he looks good. The former WEC champion, all-around good egg. Mike Brown is with us. What's up, buddy? All good here. All good. So at what point are we still allowed to call you MTB? At what point did the Mike Thomas Brown go away and you just become the great Mike Brown? I'm not certain. This, this kind of comes and goes here and there. But that all started, uh, they started using my middle name because I, I didn't have a, a nickname. And there's so many oh. Mike, Mike Browns out there. It's such a curse. You know, there's like uh, one million Mike Browns in the United States alone, I think. <laughs> well, no, it was tough. Even on Wikipedia this morning when I put Mike Brown in there, I got to add like WEC to get the goddamn fighter. So I feel your pain a little bit. Hey, so I noticed driving by the gym the other day that they're building a hotel like right on the premises. I know you guys have some sort of dorm situation in the facility, but when you see that hotel being erected, I mean, are your wheels churn? Are, are people going to be staying there during training camps? Yeah, actually, there's already a, a hotel right beside us. So this will be the second hotel. Okay. The problem All is right. the, the first one, I forget what it is. It, I think it's. I'm not certain the name, but it's but it's kind of pricey. It's a couple hundred bucks a night, I think. So, okay. Yeah. Uh, you know that's out of the budget for for most younger fighters. Um, right. But it is good. It's convenient. You know, it's walking distance. People don't have to rent a car. They can just. Uh, we we have some dorms, but oftentimes they're full, and right. you know the the snowball effect. You know, as yeah, the more success we have, the the more people that come. So I don't know how you have mastered your own personal schedule, but it seems like a lot of the elite fighters command a lot of your time. And I would think that would be a big part of your balancing act to always be there for the championship level fighters. And even guys like Kyoji Horiguchi, who is a champion outside the UFC. I mean, is your schedule just a nightmare? Like if your girlfriend says you want to go on vacation like that ain't happening, right? 
Yeah, I mean, it's it has been really tough. I, I feel bad. I'm I, because I'm so busy with all the fighters. I, I've been, you know, I, I neglect some of my friends for sure, and and my yeah. girlfriend. You know, there's uh, there's always a big fight coming up or a couple big fights coming up. Um, yeah, it's it's been a problem trying <laughs> to balance it all. I mean, I'm 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 definitely neglecting some of them. You know, they're not getting all the attention they should they should. But there's also a a lot of great training partners to get information from also. So right. you're also getting better from your teammates. So, Well, you talked about big fights. You got a big fight coming up. Ioana uh, taking on Rose here in the rematch. I'm curious as to, like, how much of it for you as a coach was it technical versus mental? Like, how much are you talking to Ioana about you know, technique yeah, here in this rematch as opposed to just kind of building her up men mentally and kind of getting her to move past that loss. I mean, she's mentally strong. She, mm -hmm. She's as mentally tough as they come. So, I mean, it, it, it doesn't take, you know, much to get her there. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's just, you know, getting her in, in shape, getting her close to weight and, and letting her, her skills, you know, do, do the talking. Uh, she knows how to fight. It's, uh, just small, small corrections, small details, and, uh, just being healthy and, and ready to go on that night. And I think she will deliver, you know, I think that I truly believe that, uh, she's the best fighter in that weight class. Yeah. And, and I think we're going to see it. Uh, in two weeks. Mike, if you were to go back for that training camp, what would be the one thing that you would change uh, heading into that fight against Nami Yunus? I mean, I, I, you know, I hate to say it, but, you know, the biggest problem was the was the weight issue. You know, she, yeah. she I, I feel like, you know, can can you say with uh, with 100% certainty that is what caused it? No, no, you cannot, right? But, but I truly believe with my heart that, um, the the she had a, a monster weight cut and i truly believe it, it affected her ability to, to to take a punch you know she yeah, she's never right. been uh knocked out before never been hurt like that before and it, and it wasn't a big shot you know and i mean and rose is a tremendous fighter and and she's a, a world champion and um she is capable of beating anybody right on a given night but but i i do believe that you want is, is the best fighter in that weight class and uh, and I think that she was just she cut too much weight in, in the night before the fight. It was. Yeah, uh, it was too much. And, you know, there's been a lot of studies on dehydration and, and concussions. And uh, I truly believe that was was the problem. You know, it was a short fight. We did. We didn't see a whole lot. It wasn't right. It's not right. like she got dominated over, you know, four or five rounds. And, you know, so it's, that's a different story. Mike Brown with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. And certainly, Yoana Young Jacek has had big cuts in the past. She has aesthetically maybe not looked great on the scale, but certainly has produced every step of the way. So what is the solution, Mike? Is it just to come in a little bit leaner and lighter for this fight? Yeah, I think the problem was she was starting to get bigger. You know, she's, yeah. she trains hard all the time. She's doing a lot of strength conditioning. So, you know, and she's also maturing. You know, she's getting in, uh, you know, in that age, late twenties or, you know, early thirties, you know, you start, you're adding more muscle all the time, every year, it's another pound or two, you know, and it's, it just became too much. I think she was getting too big too too muscular, uh, for the weight class. You know, she, 
uh, added a lot of muscle in her legs. And uh, I think uh, it cost her, you know, it, she had to, you know, dehydrate herself, you know, pretty bad that, that day to make sure that she made the weight. I think most fighters probably wouldn't have made the weight, to be honest, because it was, right. you know, 15, 16 pounds in a day. And that's a, that's a lot for a heavyweight, never mind a, a 115. Incredible. Pounder. So, yeah, this, I mean, this is. I mean, I, and I hate to say this cause I hate to take anything away from Rose and, you know, and Hey, she's a world champion. She's the UFC champ and, and, and she, she did it. So, uh, she's tough as hell. Yeah, no, I think it's all fair. And I, I think we're excited to see the rematch. I said last week on our show, not that I felt short changed necessarily by the first fight, but I think this could be an epic rematch if they go into the latter rounds yeah, I and I, I look forward to seeing it. So Mike, for you, uh, one week later, You'll be in Glendale, Arizona to corner Dustin Poirier against Justin Gaethje. I know you've been with Dustin every step of the way. I mean, you got to be just really excited to be a part of a fight like that. So psyched for this one. You know, even if Dustin wasn't my, my friend, I would be probably more excited for this fight than, than any other fight this year, right? N- neither of these guys have, have had a boring 30 seconds in their whole career. <laughs> right. You know, they, they're both wild men. They both come out. They both uh, have big power, and they both put the foot on the gas and uh, look to take the other guy out, you know, every second of the fight. So that's a huge one. And we're excited to see it. And real quick, before we let you go, Dustin said on our show a couple months ago that the toughest fight for him at 155 pounds is Khabib Nurmagomedov. Of course, he's got Tony Ferguson here coming up in two weeks. How do you see that fight playing out? You know I trust your opinion. I haven't gotten anyone on this show to predict a Tony Ferguson win yet. Everyone just is is mesmerized by Habib, and I think rightfully so. Well, you know, on paper, you know, it's going to, you know, Khabib's going to be the favorite. Yeah. But uh, but Tony does have a style that could that could give him problems, you know? Like, I think that he's he's long. Uh, he, he has decent power in his hands. I think he's got probably better striking than Khabib, you know? And uh, if he gets taken down, at least he's 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 got a decent guard game, so he can protect yep. himself when he is taken down. And he's got a great gas tank, so he'll be there for five rounds. And right, uh, he'll be fighting hard five rounds, so he has twenty five minutes to make something happen. And uh, he could he could pose some problems. You know, it's uh, Khabib's been hurt before. Michael Johnson hurt him before, so I mean, it's possible that it happens. And it's, it's not the easiest fight for Khabib, I don't think. But, right. of course, on paper, you know, he's going to be the, the favorite in, in Vegas and, and probably for good reason. Well, hopefully for your sake, you're in the back celebrating a Ioana Gion J-Check championship win and watching that fight like the rest of us. He's Mike Brown, outstanding fighter, proven to be just as good a head coach. Of course, he'll be in Gion J-Check's corner April 7th. MTB, appreciate your time today, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Hey, hey thanks so much for having me, guys. All right, there he is, Mike Thomas Brown. So it's like, you don't have a nickname. We're going to fucking make you go by MTB and throw your middle. I mean, imagine if there was no Ken Flo and they just started calling you CAF or K. The world would be a better place if there was no Ken Flo. You wouldn't have had it. (laughs) 35 fights in the pro career of Mike Brown made his pro debut in 2001 in Swansea, Massachusetts. Pro from 2001 to 2013 and now just killing it 
at American Top Team down here uh, in South Florida. Speaking of killing it, how about Ken Flo today, folks, on four hours sleep? You know, <laughs> not too fucking bad. That is it, though, for today. we got to get out of here. Thank you to our guests, Mike Brown, who you just heard from, Frankie Edgar off the top. Of course, Ray Longo spitting fire as usual. Next week, it will finally be fight week for UFC 223. Full preview of the main card predictions from Ken Flo. I'm still tracking Khabib Nurmagomedov down, so hopefully he joins us uh, later. We'll also try to get welterweight contender Darren Till if we can get the time slots to align. But we will be back with you one week from today, Monday, April 2nd, to give you everything you need for the monster that is UFC 223. All right, with that, for our fine team of Fox Sports producers, for Ken Flo, I'm John Annex, saying so long for now. Thank you all for listening, for watching, for subscribing. We will talk to you in fewer than seven days. Until then, yo later. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and wagering week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.